Support for this episode comes from eBay. Whether it's a holy grail pair of sneakers, head-turning handbags, or one genuine wardrobe staple. If you're always on the hunt for that one wardrobe staple you just gotta have, eBay gets it. Nothing's more important than the real deal. When you shop on eBay, all you have to do is look out for that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll know that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo will be verified authentic through a detailed inspection. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. The Pride of Detroit POD cast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, and it's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. Righteous Felon Jerky and Meat Sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park, and each two-ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein, and each stick has 8 grams. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions and the POD cast, it's going to be good enough for you, too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced, all-natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offering. For our listeners, we have a special offer for you. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use the promo code POD15 at checkout. Get you 15% off your order. That's POD15 at RighteousFelon.com. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the midweek mailbag. That's right. We are finally back. The schedules have finally aligned. The planets have aligned. (laughs) Maybe we'll be able to do this every week from now on. But yes, it is back. We are answering your questions right here in the middle. Smack dab in the middle of the week this week. We'll typically be live on Tuesdays. uh, But the lines mixed around their schedule this week. So we mixed around our schedules and it finally happened. By the way, my name is Jeremy Reisman. I'm the producer of Pride of Detroit. Uh, you can find me at Detroit Online. With me, as always, yes, out from underneath the Pride of Detroit direct paywall, <laughs> as someone in our live chat said, Eric Schlitt, the managing editor of Pride of Detroit, at Eric Schlitt on Twitter. Eric. Hey, buddy. Good to see you again. How's bro. it going? I uh, know. It's, it's, I've seen you in person. You know sure. what I mean? So it's not like we've been strangers. But this two Thursday nights in the uh, in the first month have have just torpedoed this podcast um i had my interview with jill costanza on right. one of the off days that killed one and then uh my internet company decided to pick a tuesday as the day they were going to upgrade all of the cables in the neighborhood and so man it's week five and we're just getting this thing started it's it, it's uh it's rough it's it, it's i'm damn sad that we're it's taken this long so. right well, let's let's not squander the opportunity then, and let's get to some questions here. Um, unsurprisingly, uh, a lot of questions about Jameson Williams, so that's where we'll start. Uh, first one comes from Breer Gallahue, uh, and I hope I didn't butcher that. Uh, asks, given Campbell's and Goff's comments about JMO this week, what is a realistic expectation for JMO regarding availability and or usage against Panthers? So let me let me set this up real quick because uh, Campbell's, you know, he's. Talked twice about it. He talked about it on Monday. He talked about it on the radio today, basically saying the same thing each time, which is we're not going to overburden this guy. We don't want to put too much on his plate. We're kind of starting from ground zero, which I thought was kind of an interest. He said we're, we're kind of starting with the ground up again with him, you know, mm-hmm. in, in terms of, you know, just getting him ready. 
Um, so if he plays, it's not going to be a 60 snap thing. So both both times he said, like, if he plays, which is not guaranteeing that he plays, mm-hmm. but making sure he's not essentially going to be a starter. Now, Jared Goff let slip, maybe left slip. Maybe he was just speaking a little <laughs> too loosely. He did say the words, you know, Jamal will get out there in, in some sort of fashion or, you know, I'm, I'm paraphrasing it. You know, we'll get him out there in, in, in some aspect. And mm-hmm. so, again, maybe maybe he just meant the practice field. It didn't really seem like he just meant the practice field. It seemed like he meant playing in the game. So all that being said, Eric, what's your expectations this Sunday when it comes to Jameson Williams? Uh, eight to 12 snaps. That's yeah. my that's my kind of guess. Eight to 12 snaps. Um, here's the thing. He's actually an ideal player to have against the, the Carolina defense because they run the shell coverage. And if he, with his speed, he can bust that shell open and uh, create opportunities underneath. And so I have to think that they, even if they're just running them, you know, and even if it's just like 40 yard dash, let's go. Um, that has to be in the game plan. In my opinion, I don't think Jared Goff um, was probably supposed to let it slip. I think Campbell is probably playing a little bit of gamesmanship at the same time. I do completely agree anything I, I, if he got more than 20 i would be i would be shocked at right. this point i think 8 to 12 is reasonable um and he'll just you know he'll probably get a target you know what i mean just because that's the fun part about having him out there is you get to right. throw to him um <laughs> but yeah my expectations are minimal for this yeah at the same time he's in a, he's a he could be an important piece into exposing the carolina defense the the one thing I'll remind people of is this guy didn't have more than 20 snaps in a single game last year. And yeah. so to expect him to come off of a hamstring injury, to come off of a suspension, to come off not practicing for the past nine weeks and suddenly be a 25, 26, 20, 30, whatever, whatever, um, not going to happen. Now, earlier in the week, I was kind of starting to lean towards he wasn't going to play at all. Now, I'm obviously, since since Jared Goff talked, I'm, I'm kind of thinking, okay, they're, they're <laughs> probably they're probably going to get in him, him in, but I'm I'm right there with you. Like I think it's a five to ten thing. I think with them, they want to make sure, and and I don't mean this as an insult to Jamison Williams, but they want to make sure he doesn't hurt them, um, and and that they don't hurt him. Right? Um, mm-hmm. it, it it was certainly interesting to hear Dan Campbell say, like, what do you expect from JMO this season? What are you what are you hoping out of him? And it was like the bare minimum. It, it was he's running his routes, right? He's he's getting good depth on his routes. He knows where he knows all of his assignments. I don't care about the catches. I don't care about the yards. I don't care about the the explosive plays or touchdowns. And and yeah. part of that is just Dan Campbell saying, like, this is a team offense, not a one player offense. So I don't care about individual stats. But I think part of that, too, is like, OK, he needs to clean up his game considerably before we can go out there and trust him. We need to be able to trust this guy. And and by saying we need to have him be dependable you're inadvertently saying he's not dependable right now. And if he's not de- dependable, it's not just about him going out there and, and running the wrong route or dropping a pass. It's him running the wrong route and it affecting the coverage so that maybe someone slides closer to, you know, someone's a little bit closer than they should be on Amon or on that puts him in a position to make a play against Amon or So like they have to be very careful with a guy that, that I don't think is necessarily ready. I, they certainly don't think he's necessarily ready for a full-time role. And so they got a good thing going and, and mm-hmm. you could, you could play with it last year when it seemed like you probably weren't going to be in the playoff race, even though you ended up kind of being in the playoff race, but there's, <laughs> there's a little bit more at stake right now. And so to throw a guy who's not ready out there 
is a harm to your team. And so I think the Lions are probably doing the smart thing right here, which is, like you said, probably not giving him more than a dozen snaps this week. Yeah, I, I really think it's going to be a couple of short passes, a couple, uh, um, a little, a couple more uh, long passes, yeah. and maybe maybe a gadget play that they're designed for him, end around something like that. You know what I mean? Right. Um, just something to get him the ball. I don't think I'd try and screen him right. Like I, I wouldn't throw a screen to him. Carolina's pretty good against that. There's their defensive coverage. You know, it kind of it, it prevents that. Right. But um, yeah, I I'd march JMO out there. Maybe if, you know, if he on like play like five or six or something like that. Right. And then just let him let him, you know, light the wheels up and see what happens. I'm I'm excited for, for Sunday because it happened last year and, it's, and I know it's going to happen again. This like every time he even steps on the field, you're going to hear it. Yeah. Yeah. The roof will come off. Yeah. Yep. And, and it's I mean, already going to be loud. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe tone it down just a little bit. The, the lines are on offense. You want to be close <laughs> um, another question here uh, about JMO comes from Sugar Bear. That's B-A-I-R uh, says, what would you consider a successful first game for JMO? Uh, injury free, <laughs> honestly, like, cause yeah. I'm not expecting much. Like if he right. gets a target and a catch, that's, that's great. Um, I expect a target and like like a gadget type play. And that's kind of where my expectations are. Now, if he does more than that, that's awesome. Um, you know, I, I think, he, you know, you're going to want him to do that. But I don't I don't think he's necessarily going to be interworked right off the bat, uh, like you said. And they have a good thing going with what they're doing. And so I expect a wide receiver core that looks like Josh Reynolds and, and, and Amon Ra, assuming Amon Ra is okay, which it, you know, we're kind of hopefully leaning towards that. We'll find out more later. Uh, but, and then the, the third wide receiver spot is a rotation between yeah. um, Marvin Jones because of his blocking and, uh, and Khalif because of his explosiveness and then JMO because of his field stretching ability. So, and then that's, what's going to be, I, I, I expect to be like this a couple of weeks yeah. to be honest. Um, yeah. And, and, and there's a, like, by the time we're through the buy, I expect it to be a different chain mode than what we're talking about now, for sure. Yeah. If he, if he's not getting at least 30, 40 snaps a game by after out of the bye week, that's when maybe you should have serious concern. Otherwise, like this is just the MO yeah. of what the lions do. They want to make sure their players are ready before they throw them out there. Um, mm-hmm. Successful game for me. And I hate to be so, uh, maybe sports talk radio, but no drops, please. Like, I don't, I don't want to have to sit through another week of, of JMO drop <laughs> discussions. So no drops. Um, last one on the JMO topic. Then we'll move on to other stuff. Uh, Illinois pride on Twitter asks, which would you, which would fans rather see? And we'll just say, which one would we rather see? And this doesn't have to be this week. This could be any individual week. Which one would okay. you get maybe more excited for? Jamison Williams getting six catches, 115 yards and a touchdown. Or. Jameer Gibbs, 10 carries, 50 yards, one touchdown, five catches, 65 yards, one touchdown. So essentially the same yardage, 615, just split between rushes and and receiving. um, But two touchdowns for Gibbs, one receiving, one rushing. I don't know. Um, (laughs) I don't know. Like, I think Gibbs would be more fun because there's more volume there, right? I get to see it happen over 10 plays as opposed to five. Um, So... I mean, it's not as great of an average, right? But, um, you know, you get to see more production out of Gibbs, I think would be 
is something that I'm looking forward to happening at some point. Yeah, I think for me, it's it's not it's not even Gibbs that I need to see get going. I, I want to see a little bit more explosiveness out of the run game. Like they, they've been successful at the kind of the ground and pound thing, right? Montgomery has been playing excellently. Mm-hmm. You know, even, even the Lions rushing DVOA is, is up to top five now, even though I think it kind of struggled in the first couple of weeks, but I think the, they, they've been missing a gear in the run game. They've been missing that explosive place. I don't know what their longest run of the year is. It's probably the Khalif end around for 40 yards or whatever. Or yeah. Yeah. But in terms of like a, a, a more traditional run game, I feel like they haven't had a rush 20 yards or more. I, I might be wrong on that, but I feel like they haven't. Um, and that's what Gibbs can, can, can provide. So I know 10 rushes, 50 yards, maybe there's not even an explosive in there, but um, that's what I want to see. That's It's not so much I need to see Jameer Gibbs suddenly getting a full workload or I need him to to be more active in, in whatever. I want to see the run game have explosiveness to it um, because that's, that's what made them really, really good last year, um, especially early in the season. And so I, I want to see that turnaround. I prefer that maybe even more to JMO being explosive because passing game has been fine. Passing game is great. They are hitting explosive plays without him. Josh Reynolds. That's right. Absolutely. Um, all right. Let's move on to the other stuff. Some other stuff. Uh, trade deadline stuff happens to be a hot topic amongst some of our uh, followers here. And uh, while it's maybe a little mm-hmm. bit early for that, it's not that early for it. Really, in the end of the month, I think, is when the, the trade deadline is. So Greg L asks, many fans hopping out, hoping the Lions into are looking into trading a star on a sinking ship like Devontae Adams, Max Crosby, Jerry Judy, etc. Who would you want and what is the highest price you'd pay for? Um, I, I tell you, I, I have been a Devontae Adams fan since before he was a Packer and it was, it was hard for me to watch him as a Packer. But <laughs> at, at one point, I think Devonte Adams was probably the best receiver in the NFL right. uh, for a few years. Yeah. And I, I really enjoy what he does. I think he would be an ideal fit, uh, but I'm not giving up much. Yeah, um, he's third. Like, yeah. And, and he's pricey and, and, and you're not wanting, you're not going to want to give away, too much capital because you are, you want that capital to roll over because you have some decisions to make next year. And, and that cap saving that capital now is part of that plan. So you don't want to give that up um, just for the now, because I don't think they need to. Um, Like we have said, this is an offense that's operating without a guy like that. But if, if a Devontae Adams is available, I'm calling, I'm interested. It's a need. Uh, but I'm not giving up much. Day What's three, up? midday three. Yeah. Like type of thing. Like, I'm interested in Max Crosby. Um, oh, certainly. The a local-ish guy. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly on a on a sinking ship in, in Raiders, which who could have okay. seen that with, with them hiring Josh McDaniels <clears throat> that that didn't work out? Huh? Weird. Um, well, yeah. Good thing they're overpaying him and can't afford to fire him anytime soon. Right. <laughs> um. Crosby's in an interesting situation, though. They did just give him a pretty massive extension and be pretty costly for them to to cut ties. And he's yes. got high salaries, too. And when, when it, a player has high salaries, that means the team trading for them is going to inherit those. This year, not that bad. The Lions could fit him on the on the salary cap, no problem. Next year, his salary is up to $19 million already. Then it's 21 21 after that. Um, so you'd have him for a long time, but you'd have him at a pretty expensive price. And you're just about to pay some of your first draft picks too, mm. right? So fitting Max Crosby on the same budget as 
Amon Ross St. Brown and, and Panay Sewell and soon Aiden Hutchinson. Um, it's going to get kind of pricey. Yeah. And so um, obviously, like, you don't have to keep Crosby around for all that time. You, you, you no longer carry those guarantees. You could get rid of him. You could cut him, whatever. But man, I'm not going to lie. Having a, a, <laughs> a 1A to Aiden Hutchinson's 1B or, or vice versa. Uh, yeah. That's they're like clones. Good. Yeah, they're like, they're like the only two defensive ends in the league that play like 85 to 90 percent of their snaps. Right? right. Like everyone else plays in the, a lower percentage. These guys play ridiculous numbers. They'd never leave the field. It just you can be move them around. Every, you can move yeah, around yeah. everywhere. Right. Like it, it would yeah, come obviously mostly at the expense of Charles Harris. So I think it's having a better year than most people are, are giving him credit for. But it's obviously also a major improvement. So I don't know, no. like. I, I, I'd consider like a second round pick Crosby <laughs> if, if the Raiders are listening. Here's the thing. Um, the Lions play the Raiders yeah. October 30th on yeah. Monday night football. Yeah. The trade deadline is the next day. <laughs> so, <laughs> so let's just have a powwow. Let's see if we can get Devontae yeah. or Max Crosby in here. We'll just see if they just stay. Yeah. Yeah. Just who, who wants to stay here? Save. Yeah. Save money <laughs> on a flight ticket. <laughs> <laughs> uh any anyone else you you have circled for the trade deadline uh no all right nah, well, i mean not really we i look there's no like we've said it in the first question there's not a whole lot of reason to start tinkering when things are doing well and they have guys that are going to be coming back well well then let me ask you this question another one on the trade deadline comes from austin underscore b uh says trade deadline is coming schedule looks pretty easy before then but our roster also seems pretty solid at the moment how would you guys expect homes to approach the market this season um because all those things are right i mean the team looks good they're good in the future that they're still a, a young team so the, you know it doesn't feel like they have to take one run at the super bowl right it, it's sure they can be patient with it maybe they, they have a good enough roster now but at the same time like you do wonder Brad Holmes comes from the Rams organization and they're an organization that if they see a window open, they're going to go at it. And a lot of times when you, when you have, when you want to make a Super Bowl run and the Lions are looking like they're at least going to be in that conversation, sometimes adding one little piece can push you over the top. I don't think, and I know he comes from the Rams and I yeah. know he comes from Sneed, who is very much like that. Yeah. I don't think Brad Holmes is the type of guy who would mortgage some of the future in order to win now. I think he's confident in what Dan can do mm-hmm. and he's confident in their game plan and he's and, and, and what their long-term game plan is. And so I don't know if they would overpay for a pricey guy to take a run at it this year that could then cost them extending a guy like Jonah Jackson next year. I just think Brad looks at the, at the big picture, like three, four years down the line. Yeah. And um, they know that they're going to need that money. And so I, I, I don't see him making that move. Maybe I'm wrong because he did completely 180 his draft strategy and, and kind of threw everybody off guard. But he, everything that he said for three years makes me think they're trying to make this team a competitor for a decade, not just a one and done Super Bowl winner. Yeah, it, it's hard. It's hard to know, right? Because that's the thing to say when you're in the middle of a rebuild, right? Like we have to think about this thing in sure. the long term. We're not going to try to turn this thing around in an instant because you can immediately fall off the cliff if you do that. 
Um, mm. But we're we're talking about a different phase of this line scene, this a different evolution of where we're at. And so maybe that's why we saw a change in draft strategy. Maybe we that's why mm-hmm. we may see a change in, you know, their their trade deadline strategy. Maybe they they do feel like, hey, all we needed to do was get to this baseline where our foundation is strong. Now we can turn up the aggression. They were more aggressive in free agency, too. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, it wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't mm-hmm. shock me. But there's a difference between spending salary cap and there's a difference between spending future draft picks. And that's something we haven't seen the lines do very often is dig into future draft picks other than on draft day to maybe move up and get a guy. Um, they they usually have, have held some of those draft assets as as future draft assets as as gold as something they don't want to give up. Um, but those draft picks are also going to get worse because they're a better team and they're going to be later in rounds now. So I don't know. He finds guys everywhere. That's, that's just, I mean, he just does. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, all right, let's uh, let's take a break. When we come back, more of your Lions questions here on the return of the midweek mailbag. And you know what? We might just go three segments this because it's the return show. We'll see. We'll be right back. Support for this episode comes from eBay. Whether it's a holy grail pair of sneakers, head-turning handbags, or one genuine wardrobe staple. If you're always on the hunt for that one wardrobe staple you just gotta have, eBay gets it. Nothing's more important than the real deal. When you shop on eBay, all you have to do is look out for that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, and you'll know that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo will be verified authentic through a detailed inspection. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Support for this episode comes from Viator. Sure, a good souvenir is always fun, but it's the experiences that people love the most about traveling. When you get back home, that t-shirt might fade and that snow globe might break, but it's those once-in-a-lifetime memories that will last. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like architectural sightseeing, snorkeling excursions, sunset cruises, and so much more. With Viator, you can reserve everything from simple tours to thrilling adventures with over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries. Whether you're a foodie, a history buff, or an adrenaline junkie, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you can have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Make memories that will last forever with Viator. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. And we are back here on the midweek mailbag, myself and Eric Schlitt. Answering your questions here, we'll try to be doing this every week, usually Tuesdays around noon Eastern on our Twitch page, twitch.tv slash Pride Detroit. But obviously, we're uploading this to the podcast feed as well. Um, it is Panthers week, so let's talk a little bit of Panthers here. Uh, Caitlin Rose on Twitter asks, I know we're, uh, we are heavily favored. Uh, at this point, I think, Eric, you said nine and a half points, which is insane. 
but what are your biggest concerns for the upcoming game against the Panthers? And how do you think the Lions will address it? You know, anytime you have to face a talented quarterback, even though he hasn't really found his footing yet in Bryce Young, that's always, you know, going to cause you a little bit of anxiety. And, and he's been really handcuffed in, in, in the way that they've like utilized him so far. And maybe it's by choice. Maybe it's just him, you know, getting through the learning curve of being a rookie, but he's a talented player. That's why he went first overall. And so, you you know, you, it's, uh, you get hesitant to say, Hey, if the light bulb comes on against this team, then it's going to be competitive. But realistically, based on what we've seen from him from, from four weeks, um, he's still really early in, in the in the process, and so I'm not overly concerned about him. But I would I would want to jump on him early, rattle him as much as I can, and uh, and try and just keep him in the same kind of phase of development that he's been in for the first four weeks. Yeah, I think I think you're on the the right track there, particularly with just like it's not necessarily a unit that scares me on Carolina because let's be honest they're just not a good football team right now it to me it's not like oh no what if they run the football for 300 yards again it's not it's just not going to happen like I'm, I'm going to tell you right now that it's, it's not going to happen but it's individuals that, that scare me right it's, it's just mm-hmm. one player that can disrupt an entire game quarterback is certainly one of those players I would argue Brian Burns is also one of those players um very very he's their, he's their best player yeah he's, he is he's their best player yeah and so um you know lines have been excellent in pass protection this year and 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 i think we get caught up sometimes in ben johnson and how amazing he is at dialing up plays calling plays during the game one of the things that i think goes under appreciated is neutralizing the the best defensive player we we heard from it last week right kenny clark they said it on the broadcast. They double teamed him more than anyone else has. And Kenny Clark did nothing. Even even um, their pass rusher the, from Michigan. What's his name? Rashawn Gary. Rashawn Gary. Left off the score sheet almost entirely. So I trust in Ben Johnson's ability to neutralize a guy like Brian Burns, but it's someone they're going to have to pay attention to. Taylor Decker is obviously still not going to be 100% in this game if he plays, assuming he plays. Um, so give him some help. Give Panay help. Even as good as Panay is, give him some help if he's over there. So to me, he's he's the one guy that I think can potentially disrupt this game, can force a couple turnovers from Jared Goff. And, and if that happens, who knows where the game goes? But again, pretty darn confident in the line's ability to know that and focus on him since, again, there's there's not a lot else to, to necessarily focus on with the with the Panthers defense, especially with J.C. Horn, you know, on IR. So. Yeah, I think I think Derek Brown is another defender, but he fits yeah. right in that same line as Kenny Clark, and you can yeah. almost execute a lot of the same game plan um, against this defense that you did against the Packers, and that they have one kind of down plugger at the DN spot, you know, at that like five technique spot, and then one outside guy edge rusher. Yeah. And you take that same approach and hopefully have the same success. All right. Uh, next question here comes from Connor Thompson asks, how do we feel about the role and position Jack Campbell has been put in? Never thought he would see most of his snaps as an outside rusher. Maybe hard to take snaps away from Anzalone and Barnes with how well they have played. Yeah, I think they're trying to find a way to get him on the field. Right. And the original concept behind this, this utilizing the Sam position more was that 
they were trying to find a way to get another athletic pass rusher on the field. And they would love for that guy, that athletic pass rusher to also have off the ball coverage skills because it allows them to open up their defensive game, uh, game plan more. And so that's why they've been working so hard to get James Houston off the ball skills. That's why they were working so hard with Julian to get off the ball skills that be able to take a Derek Barnes or a Jack Campbell and put them into that role and then have some production out of that. You're getting to the same point you wanted to with the, with that role. It's just, you're going in a different way because if you can have an edge guy who can drop into coverage, you can totally fool the offenses with like schematic looks pre-snap and stuff. And so I think that's a good thing. And in all honesty, even if Julian comes back this week, I think Jack Campbell will still be the favorite to to get more snaps at that Sam position. That that was going to be my question because the inciting incident here is, is James Houston's injury, right? I don't I don't think Jack Campbell would necessarily have stepped into that role, or Derek Barnes would have stepped into that role if, if James Houston had been injured. Um, and and Dan Campbell said it himself. Like part of the idea too was. We have all these linebackers. Let's get our best players out on the field. Jet Campbell is one of those players, so let's find a way to get him out there. Well, it just so happens there's a, a Sam linebacker role there waiting for him. Um, mm-hmm. it, it was interesting talking to Derek Barnes this week about it because I asked him, like, how did it feel to, you know, get back to rushing the passer again like you were in your Purdue days? And his eyes lit up. He's like, man, I loved it. Like, I called my wife. I was so excited. I get to rush the passer this week, honey. Like, it was it was super excited for him. But now that Julian is back, and, and we'll see if they activate him or, or not. It might be a week or two before they decide to do that. I do expect Derek Barnes's role to kind of drop back to just off ball yeah. stuff. Um, and, and he, you know, he kind of said, like, he hopes he gets an opportunity to do that in the future. And maybe maybe will, maybe he won't. Um, but I think I, I would expect... Jacks to stay, but scaled back. I, I do think, I mean, we, we've said it all offseason that the future of this guy is Mike, right? He's going to eventually mm-hmm. be this guy, the, the Mike of this team. And Anzalone is, is playing very, very well. Barnes is playing very, very well. I don't think they want to take those guys off the field the way it is. And so um, I think we might see him get scaled back a little bit if they trust Julian, um, because Julian was a guy like he's not penciled in to be the, the Sam guy behind um, Charles Harris right away, right? Mm-hmm. He was a guy that was right. very much on the roster bubble. And and we even argued that maybe him getting put on IR was the best thing that could have happened to him. He may have gotten cut. So I'm not saying he's going to jump the line necessarily now that he's back, but there might be more of a share, I would say. It's interesting because him getting put on IR was the best thing to happen to him. And then James Houston getting hurt looked like it was going to benefit him even more. And now it looks like it, that James Houston getting hurt is actually going to be at his detriment because Maybe. of what they did to supplement James right. Houston's production. Right. So like, I don't know. It depends it, how look, they feel about how Campbell has just, done so far. Right. Like, yeah, well, but he's been, fine like he's 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 been fine yeah um and there's enough there look when julian it when it when he triggers it's it works right but he's not consistent and that's been the hiccup with him and so far campbell has been consistently good fine consistently good yeah um and only get better but i think this coaching staff will take consistently good over once in a while. Great. Yeah. I mean, that's that, that was their whole thing with James Houston, right? Like, yes, he's, he's flashes of greatness. Absolute yes. greatness. But the inconsistencies is why he kept yes. repping in the, with the third and fourth teams in training camp. Um, 
But anyways, let's move on. Uh, another kind of interesting storyline uh, brought up here by Holler Back at you says, we haven't seen Kirby Joseph and Tracy Walker play together. Could you break down how the Lions use safeties and what to expect since it uh, in the past it was clear it was Kirby and TJGJ or Tracy mm-hmm. Walker and Deshaun Elliott? Um, is one a free safety? Is one a strong safety? Um, but yeah, I think this is a because this is what we kind of expected going into training camp is like it was going to yeah, be Herbie and, Joseph and Tracy Walker with CJGJ playing the nickel. And those two are such good friends. It was like, oh, this is going to be kind of fun to see like two guys that really enjoy each other's yeah. company play safety. Now we're actually probably going to get it with Kirby looking like he's about to come back from injury. Yeah, and we saw it in camp for about a week That's and right. then and then Branch w- took over yeah. and became the phenom that he is. Right. Uh, but look, the way that the Lions use, utilize their safeties is they're not, there's not a free and a strong. Um, they want their safeties to be universal, to be able to drop into the box and also play uh, too high and single high. And, and because of their switch scheme, their switch zone scheme that they run with their safeties where they pass guys off and stuff, they – will sometimes completely shift. Like if, if the offense puts a guy in motion, that you will watch the defense of secondary shift as the guy moves into motion so that they're just basically switching assignments. So at the in the initial look, you might have Tracy uh, you know, going back to drop into single high and Kirby drops down into the slot or in the box. And then they put a guy in motion and then Tracy drops and, and Kirby goes to your Tracy pushes up to the box. Kirby drops back to the single high. And, and that's purposeful. That's the, that's why when the rookies come in, they start them playing single high. That's why Melifonwu was playing a lot of single high right off the bat. And they do this because you know, you can. It's easier to learn the box up. It's easier to get them closer to line of scrimmage and do that. But the the the, the free ranging su- single high stuff, they you've got to have that. That's a little harder to learn, and that's why they start that that method early. So they're 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 both flexible. They both have experience single high. They both have experience in the box. I think if they preferred, they'd rather have Tracy in the box and Kirby yep. at single because Tracy's a little bit bigger. Kirby's a little bit more of a of a rangy. Uh, comfortable in space and yeah, exactly rangy. I think that's what they'd like. Um but the defense is built so that both guys can do each thing. The only thing I want to add to this conversation because you basically hit everything I was going to say is is it'll be interesting to see if Brian Branch can't go. Um, how that affects how they use their safeties because Brian Branch is kind of a guy that you you can consider a safety. Is it is it just a matter of of plugging in Will Harris and and leaving the safeties where they are, or are you going to rotate one of those safeties down into maybe a, a nickel role and, and bring Iffy onto the field? No, what I, I the way I kind of envision what they'll do this week with branch hurt is even if branches because he's hurt they're going to want to if he plays they're going to want to manage his snaps they'll probably use him at nickel and then that'll be it right. um if they have to go to will i think they'll use will at nickel and then that'll be it yeah but long term when branch comes back and he's at full health they're not going to want branch to leave the field and so what he'll end up doing is he'll play about 75% of his snaps in nickel and the other 25 will probably be at safety and that'll probably mean that Tracy will lose some snaps uh, on the back end we saw it last uh last week last two weeks where um branch would start out in the slot and then when they would shift branch would drop back into the two high or in the single uh, it's not exactly what you want to do with him because he's better in that slot. But I do think branch is so good when he's at full health, you're going to want to keep him on the field. And so um, he'll, they'll take some safety snaps away from those guys when he, when he's healthy, when he's hurt, whoever it is, whether it's branch or Harris, I can't imagine they're going to be better at safety than the two guys, than Tracy and curb. 
An interesting question here from our live audience, Liam the Walrus, and I, I think it, he's on to maybe something a little bit here. He says, if Branch is out and Mosley, Manuel Mosley, who's expected to return this week in a limited fashion, is in, could Jerry play nickel? The answer to that, I think, I think, it, it, I think the answer to that is is yes, but not right away. Because, in like, first of all, like, they're very excited about Emmanuel Mosley, and they, they love Jerry. But I, I believe Dan even said on the radio today, like having Emmanuel back means we maybe we can move Jerry inside. Like I think that is something they've toyed around with with a couple for really since Jerry has gotten around here. Um, it's not something he's done a ton of on the field, but I do think it's something they think he's capable of. And so to have that sort of depth, if if if, if you don't love Will Harris, like it's nice to have another potential nickel in there. And I know I don't I don't want to step on uh, you know your toes with with your with your guy Chase Lukey. As, as Dan Campbell likes to call him, Lukey, uh, another guy capable of playing nickel. But I think I, I do think that's something they're going to test out a little bit. That being said, the Lions got hit by a lot of injuries in the first four weeks of the season. The one I'm glad they didn't get hurt at outside of Emmanuel Mosley is is, is outside corner. They don't have mm-hmm. a lot of those on the roster. Certainly not a lot of talented, experienced outside corners. So having Jerry as a backup corner is a luxury that I think this team needs. So um, he, he, and he also said, Jerry's a phenomenal special teamer, which I think is also true. When I first heard Mosley was going to play, my first thought was it's going to come at the expense of Jerry, I think, which is what most people think. Yeah. But if branch is hurt, I wouldn't be surprised to see Mosley take Sutton's spot and Sutton kick inside to nickel where he has a boatload of experience. And so outside corners with Jacobs and Mosley inside with Sutton, Will Harris is on the bench. And then that's your best three corners. That's interesting. I, it makes sense. I, I just don't think they're going to do it though. I think they like camps. I think Cam Sutton is playing way better than people are giving him credit for. Oh, he's phenomenal. I, th- I think great. the Lions love him at the outside position to to just shut down your, your top guys that you're going against. But in this week, what's mostly going to play? Eight to 12 snaps? Why not kick him in for those eight to 12 and let him do it? Cam's good enough. And it's not like, look, with the way the Carolina is set up with yeah. their guys, right? Like it's, this is, it's doable. Yeah. All right. Let's do one more before we take a break. Yeah, that's right. We're not ending things after two segments. I've decided. Our next question here comes from Adam Zenmaster <laughs> says, how have you felt about the offensive play calling so far this year? I still think Ben Johnson's finding the groove and saving some of those gotcha plays that take time to manipulate over weeks of film. It seems like the best is still yet to come with Gibbs schematically too. Yeah, look, they don't, they don't want to rush their nickel or their rookies if they, if they don't need to. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why, it's let's give Jack opportunities here. Let's give, let's work Gibbs in, in this situation. Um, and then it just so happens when a Sam Laporta or a Brian branch are just too good to keep off the field. You're like, Holy cow. They're just that much better than the rest of the position players at, at their position group. Um, Montgomery's really good, right? Like yeah. the, the other linebackers are playing really good. And so it's not that Gibbs and, and uh, Campbell aren't, it's just that the other players in their position group are also. And so there's no reason to rush them. It's yeah. it's take their time, work stuff in, make things good. Because in all honesty, if you're playing the long game, you're going to look at how they're using Gibbs in the first month and you're going to say, 
Okay, that's good because now in December he's We're gonna a do nightmare. Else. Yeah, exactly. He's yep. going to be in pos- He's going to be fresh. He's going to be like able to like. You're, it's going to be like unleashing an entirely new weapon uh, if you can just like slowly bring him along and he's yep. healthy and he's ready and he's fresh and all of a sudden boom. Right. Um. In in terms of like overall play calling, taking it away from Gibbs because I I agree with you completely. I'm, I'm I'm not sweating that at all. Um. I thought the Green Bay game was him in his bag completely. Like I thought that was that's the best game he's called so far. That I mean the double move from Amon Ra, which took weeks and weeks of of tape of of studying Rasul Douglas and and noticing that he jumps that curl route every single time. Yeah. Um, they pulled it twice, by the way. It wasn't just it wasn't the exact same, but in terms of like drawing that that curl route, um, closing from from the a Packers defender. They pulled it off twice mm-hmm. and it worked both times. That's him using pass tape to set up a, a, a yeah. an explosive play and and you get the reverse in that play and we've already had a flea flicker. Like I I think he's mo- like I think you you're getting some gotcha every single week with Ben. Mm-hmm. The only I, and- I was going to say the only Go complaint I I have about the guy is is the second and long runs. I hate to be like a a <laughs> a broken record with that, but like I understand needed needing to get into like a third manageable and with the team that that goes for it as much as they do on fourth down, getting into a third and seven to them is really like a second and seven to them sometimes because mm-hmm. they think they can pick up those. And that leads me to, I guess, maybe another minor like, oh, why do you guys do that? Like, sometimes I feel like they treat because they know they're going to go for it on fourth down. A lot of times they're a little too conservative on third down. They're like, OK, it's third and third and five. Let's just run the ball here and set us ourselves up for a a fourth and one, fourth and two. Why not try to get the get the five? Like, let's not worry about this. Like, <laughs> I I, underst- I understand you want to use every single. You have all four downs, you, even though most people only choose to use the first three. You have all four downs, but at the <laughs> same time, like you can avoid going to fourth down, and you know some of these turnover on downs are costly. So let's let's just try to avoid fourth down when we can. <laughs> I think he's going to have setup plays versus any common opponent from yeah. one year to one year. So, like, watch out Bears, watch out Vikings. Um, I think Carolina. Well, the, and, but that's the thing is they have a different defensive scheme, even though it's not too far but, off. To be but honest. they're watching Lions tape from last year's game, right? Oh yeah, yeah, sure. But I mean, but they're also like they're they're probably watching the Broncos film. From last year as well, because that's where their coach, their uh, defensive coordinator came right. from. And True. so and, and and to be honest, the scheme he runs isn't that much different than some of the schemes we've seen in the past here and not too far off from what Carolina was, because basically right. they, they run like a like a three, four with this Fangio shell uh, coverage right in the back. And they face that. Um, a lot of times before. So you know how to bust it. You know how to find the weak spots. And so I absolutely, Ben, Ben's going to have some, he's going to have something because this scheme isn't unfamiliar with them for them. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, a final third segment on the return of the midweek mailbag. We'll be right back.
Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. And we are back here closing out the midweek mailbags triumphant return. Uh, let's go back to the mailbag here uh, on Twitter. And you can always send us questions. Uh, you use the hashtag AskPOD if you want to send it during the week. We'll also put out a call right before our show in the morning. Uh, this one comes from Detroit and Toledo. Asks, scouting and player development is this team's greatest strength. I know, quote unquote, draft position, but why does it feel like so many journalists and fans are being so impatient with JMO and Gibbs when Hutchinson was overrunning the pocket early last year? Did he get the same level of scrutiny? I think Hutchinson did get some scrutiny last year. Um, and I, it's hard when he's a local player because a lot of it was dismissed as, oh, that's just like the state Michigan yeah. state people not liking the Michigan player, right? Like, but so like right. I, maybe he got lost in that. Um, but he did he did get scrutinized, and I think he also got like there was a, his he got a cap on his ceiling where everyone said he's going to get this good and he's never going to be better. Um, so I do think there. There's a level of there's always been this kind of level of scrutiny with first round picks. Um, I just think the way that as you get a deeper team and as you get guys in the first round that aren't needed to be like immediate contributors, that draws itself to even more criticism because the coaching staff isn't going to push them in just because of their draft status. And then in turn, you're going to have talking heads saying, well, player drafted at position at, at um, you know, draft spot X means that player should be starting when that's not how this regime works. This regime is going to play the best players and they're going to draft what they think is the best player. And the, I think Jack Campbell's the best example of it. They thought they had a good locker room at linebacker. They felt confident going in. They still drafted Campbell because they thought he was a unicorn at the position. And while he's been playing great, he's still not playing as good as the two starters. And so, therefore, the two starters are still there. And so, he's going to draw some scrutiny because he's not – he's a first-rounder that isn't starting. That's going to that's gonna fall on Campbell. But I think there's just – that's just the – when you're a first round pick, you're going to draw more criticism, just like when you're the starting quarterback. Everyone's going to love the backup right. quarterback or, or, you know what I mean? And there's uh, there's correlations in every sport in Detroit like that as well. I I have a lot of thoughts on this. Oh, um, okay. First of all, I think this is the result of having a four month draft process where we're all obsessing over all of these draft picks. And we're all picking our favorites, picking the guys that we don't like. And so those people want to be proven right as quickly as possible. Those people okay. want to run out and say, hey, I was right about Jameer Gibbs. Hey, I was right about Brian Branch. Hey, I was right about this quarterback, that quarterback. And so when that doesn't happen, those people get mad. 
Those people, oh, you're not even giving Jameer. I, I heard this guy is my number one running back. I, everyone said Bijan. I said, and you're not even putting him out of there on the field. I'm mad. <laughs> Part of it, yes, is also indeed fantasy related. We uh, line Twitter seems to hate every single fantasy football tweeter <laughs> at this point. And I can prove to you why I can prove to you that yes, fantasy writers are part of the problem here because yes, people are very much complaining that Jameer Gibbs isn't getting much playing as, as much playing time as they think he deserves. Are those people also complaining about Jack Campbell? No, they are not. Why do you think that is? Because he's not on their fantasy team. He's not on anyone's fantasy team. People care more about offensive players and, and offensive betting and, and Jameer Gibbs over unders. That's why JMO people are mad about JMO too, right? There are probably people like, I'm going to get a savvy 10th round pick in, in JMO. People are going to forget <laughs> that he's suspended and or that he's coming back. It's definitely fantasy related too. That said, side note, side note. Do you know what I note? What I find very interesting about um, the fantasy people complaining that the Lions aren't using them right is that aren't they almost exposing themselves to not being as educated as they should be? Right. Like, like, because they're basically saying, this is what I thought. And now I'm wrong. Uh, and it can't be me being wrong, but <laughs> it's, the, it's the football team that's if, three and one that's being wrong. It's if you paid attention to 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 what the reports came, that came out of camp every day, this shouldn't have been a surprise. Yes, he's electric, but yes, the, the it's going to. So I just find it interesting. The the hey, look, I was wrong here. Everyone, look, I was wrong here. Attitude <laughs> that the fantasy owners, the fantasy experts i will say though like i i did expect jameer gibbs to be a little bit more involved in the passing game so far sure i think i think we all agreed like it was going to be you can pull receipts if you want like all of us agreed dave montgomery is going to be the lead back quote-unquote lead yes i said i sure i said multiple times that i expect him to get 60 percent of the of the rushes to at least 60 percent of the rushes to jameer gibbs 40 and and i think that's eventually what we are building towards um but i think maybe like there's at least a little room for criticism or concern that he's not as involved in the receiving game. Because I think the Mm -hmm. other factor in all of this is that a guy like Jameer Gibbs, a guy like Jamison Williams, both those guys play positions that now traditionally you can get immediate contributions out of. Sure. 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 The wide receiver position, the running back position, we've seen guys make immediate um, Devon Achan, whatever, however you say his name now. Achan. Yeah. I think he said it's Chan now, but either way. Oh, he did? Yeah. He he went out and said, like, this is how I say my name now. Um, But anyways, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, you can get immediate contributions. And so if the Lions aren't doing that, they're doing something wrong, which you painted perfectly clear. They're not. They're, they're putting out players that are performing right now and doing well right now. And they know they can trust right now while they develop your rookies. Imagine that developing your young players before throwing them out there. Mm-hmm. And I understand like there's nothing like learning on the job and you want to get JMO out there and you want to get Jameer Gibbs out there, but the lines don't have to, they have yeah. a luxury of being able to take along those players slowly. And that can work too. It, it, we talk about it all with quarterbacks, right? Like, you, do you start your quarterback right away or do you develop him after a couple of years learning behind someone else? You can do that with every position and both both ways can work. But the Lions are in a position where they don't have to. They have a good enough team where they don't have to throw these guys out there and there's nothing wrong with that. And people are just going to have to get used to that, whether they're in Detroit calling up their local radio stations or whether they're fantasy <laughs> idiots on Twitter. Like 
this is going to be the new normal when you have such a good, deep team. Some of these young players aren't going to play right away. Some of them are. Keep them fresh for the end of the season, too, right? Like, that's what we talked about in the break in between segments here is that, you know, when you have a less a, a a you know a not using Gibbs as much early in the season allows you to use him more later in the season and it just gives you that much more flexibility there's no rookie wall for him now and there's just a lot of things that you can do with with Gibbs um when you take it slow with him so i i should say though there are a lot of smart fantasy people out there it's just the loud ones are usually not the smart ones Right. And you know, well, I mean, and you like, know what? Maybe we need to do better as a community <laughs> to prop up the ones that are smart and stop giving the other ones engagement. Sure, sure. You don't have to dunk on. You don't have to be the fiftieth guy to dunk on FF Sports Joe mug. Like, <laughs> just yeah. just ignore him. It's fine. You yeah. you don't score any fantasy points or any. It's hard. <laughs> Social media points is what I meant to say. There you go. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, let's move on. Uh, the Fox Magnet on Twitter nice. asks, which team in the division figures to be the biggest threat for them over the next five years? Just curious about the state of the division long term. I still think it's the Packers. Um, they have a, a nice core on defense. They have a younger quarterback that they believe in. Um Cousins eventually is going to leave Minnesota, and then who knows what's going to happen with them. Their cap situation's uh, dire. Their defense is still bad, and their good players that are on that defense are close to retiring. And Chicago is just a dumpster fire. Uh, even the good, <laughs> they got a lot of really good talent. They got like they got good young talent, but no one to give them any direction. And even if they do get someone to give them some direction, it's you we've seen it firsthand it's gonna it takes a couple of years to do it right right and so over the next five years it's the packers yeah i'm with you it's it's definitely the packers i think they have the best roster right now they also have at least at the at the date of the 53 man cut down they had the youngest roster in the league mm-hmm. oh that's yeah, where a ton, that, of, a ton of rookies that's where the lines were last year man yeah yeah and so you you can make a jump pretty quickly with those guys if you learn to develop them as as well as you can and sure there i think there are some questions about the the packers coaching staff i know everyone hates joe barry over there um so so maybe maybe <laughs> they don't develop in in the same way that they detroit has developed their young talent but um yeah i i do think i do think the bears are in second place though Oh gosh! I, 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 your hate for Minnesota no, 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 is no, no, so no. deep. No, it's, so deep. It's this not year. just that. It's I think <laughs> the Vikings have put off the rebuild too long. Yes, they and have. They, and and they they you know they're and they they've just been continuing to pump resources into their current teams rather than accumulating draft capital. And this is where I'm going with this. Bears have a lot of draft capital. Bears had a lot of draft capital this year. They've got even more next year. Right now they have the first and second pick. They can change. They can, they can really infuse that roster with talent. And like you said, they have some talented guys now. Yeah, they do. Coaching staff in there that's smart and, and Mm. knows how to build a culture. And you're right. That takes time, but this is a Mm. long-term question. If you pump your roster with all the resources that they have for the future, and then get a coaching staff that can push them in the right directions. I think the bears can be a dangerous team. In three years. Yeah. The thing is, though, is, again, you've got to get the uh, problem. You might need a new front office. 
as well as well as and i don't think they're ready to to do it before you you use your first that's the thing (laughs) that's the thing is i don't think they're going to do that i think they're going to look at their they're going to look at their front office and say look you did a good job of managing to get this capital i'm going to let you do what you want with it and so you might get a new coach and then the front office isn't going to get fired until that coach does. So that's a couple of years. And then when you, if you do get the right guys in, that's a couple of years away. And then it's a couple more years. Through. So over the next five years, I'm not, I'm not that concerned about the bears, even getting an influx of talent. I think the Packers are steadier. My minus Joe Barry, who, how he's employed is, is beyond me. <laughs> but, um, but I, I think the Vikings look, the Vikings could just, they could hit reset. Uh, the problem is, is you're right. They're they're the team that is they're the car trying to make it to the finish line with a flat tire, and they're yeah. trying to air pump enough air into that tire to get them to where they want to go. And you just know it's an it's a they're going to eventually run out of gas there. And and you know what they're going to do this year, Eric? They're going to win enough games to be 14th in the draft order. <laughs> like they're 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 just they're in that that place that you hate to be for most team, which is it's that purgatory in the middle. They they don't have a future at quarterback. They don't have a lot of young talent and they don't have draft capital in the future. They're a team that's just going to be mediocre for a very long time until they, until they hit rock bottom at some point. Well, I think cousins hurts them is more than he helps them. Right. And he, you know, even though he's, he's a, a talented quarterback, the contracts that he expects, it it hinders their ability to be flexible. Yep. The way that the, the cap was managed with them previously, it hurts them. And so they have a much tougher road to try and rebuild while still trying to compete yep. as opposed to a, a different team. The thing that with the Packers, why I think they may have a, some hitch in their development is not only Joe Barry, but also um, when you look at where they're young, they don't always have veterans to lead those young guys in their development. Like you look at their wide receiver group, every wide receiver, tight end or running back, or I'm sorry, every wide receiver or tight end is a first or second year player. And the only one is the fullback who's in this third year. They have no pass catching leadership or veterans in that room that can help guide them, show them the right. Christian Watson is their guy, the rookie last year. He's their he is their most veteran player in that locker room amongst all their pass catchers. Like he's still trying to learn the game. He's still he needs guidance and they don't have that. And so. That lack of veteran leadership in the right spots, plus Joe Barry, make them a team that I think could not develop as fast as maybe they want to with a younger roster. Yeah, that was a very clear strategy from the Lions is to pair their young players with a talented veteran. The the only place they failed to do so was at cornerback, and they fixed that this offseason. So, all right, we're going to close things out there, Eric. So good to talk to you again, buddy. Mm-hmm. answer some of these questions i'm glad, we're, I'm glad, I'm glad we're back yes <laughs> uh but yeah we should uh we'll, we should be doing these every week so expect them on your podcast feeds wednesdays 
on live here on twitch.tv slash pride of detroit tuesday afternoon this one obviously recorded wednesday will go up thursday but until next time for eric for everyone that's watching us live and listening to us at home it's chaos be kind for this episode has come from ebay you know real when you feel it and with ebay authenticity guarantee you don't have to wonder you know that every inch stitch sole and logo will be checked by experts and verified authentic maybe it's a designer handbag sneakers that pop jewelry that shines as bright as you do with ebay authenticity guarantee you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach ensure your next purchase is the real deal Visit ebay.com for terms. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.